and welcome to episode 59 of Owen the Saints, your podcast dedicated to Southampton FC. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me today, I have our regular guest, Jack Serlis, and a very special guest joining us from the Delivery Podcast is Matt Markstone. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing well, especially after a win. How are you two? Very good. Thank very you, Jack. I'll bring you in. How are you doing? All right? Yeah, good, good. Really, really positive after that win. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has. Um, it feels like it for sure. I'm delighted to say that we're discussing a Saints victory, very rare in 2021 so far. But our FA Cup adventure continues thanks to Saturday's 3-0 win over our neighbours down the coast, Bournemouth. It could have been so much better too. We've not had many games to enjoy this year, so really welcome tonic for us. Two goals for the excellent Nathan Redmond and another for Musa Gineppo. Takes us to our 13th FA Cup semi-final, of which we've won four, and of course lifting the trophy once back in 1976 under Laurie McMenemy. Matt, before we dive in and discuss the game, for those Saints fans who have not heard you on delivery, can you just give a little intro into what you do, how long you've been doing it, what to expect for those listening to your podcast? Yeah, yeah. I just want to say thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Um, and I've been doing the show now for, uh, well, we're on to episode 218 this week. So however many weeks that is, that's, that's 218 weeks. So I think it's about four and a half years. Um, and, and basically every week we try to get a guest on, we try to vary it up and, and just, uh, you know, talk about the team, talk about, um, you know, the, the things that are going on. It's similar to what you guys do. Um, we tend to go a little bit longer, um, about an hour, hour and five minutes or so. And, um, yeah, that's just, just basically for me living in California, it was, it was a chance to kind of, you know, be connected with the team, be connected with other fans. Uh, the nearest other Saints fan to me is, uh, is three hours away. So being able to talk to somebody every week about the team so my wife doesn't have to listen to it uh, <laughs> is, is nice. That is nice. Well, for, for those who haven't listened, definitely should check it out. Um, 218 episodes is a hell of a lot. Um, <laughs> any advice for us as we're, we're relatively new? I think this is episode 59. So any advice you could give, share with us? Um, well, I can tell you from my mistakes, uh, don't be afraid to, to, to pause and take some time off and, and uh, make sure that it, it stays fresh because there have definitely been runs in there where I've, it, it's felt a little stale for me and, and I've kind of forced my way, way through it mostly because I have this fear of like quitting things. But like, um, I, I'd say just, just keep, keep doing it. It, it. There are times when you won't want to and especially when runs are bad. I mean, I started the show. We were in the middle of the Puel season. So we had, I think episode nine was the, the, the league cup final. And mm -hmm. then it kind of went, you know, from there, it wasn't really a very fun time. So, um, once you get through those, the, the highs are even higher because you, you, you just enjoy talking about the team. And, uh, I, I would say, yeah, just that, that's it, man. Like I I've enjoyed it so much. Um, but, uh, there have definitely been times when I didn't I didn't want to, to record the show or edit the show. That is, recording is fine because you can, can complain, but editing and having to listen back to it is, is sometimes uh, a little rough. No, absolutely. I can I can share the fact that me and Jack had a very frank conversation after the old Trafford 9-0 about <laughs> recording a podcast yeah. um, on a midweek game having been stuffed 9-0. I wasn't particularly enthusiastic about recording, but Jack made a good point that if we, do it, if we don't do it on this game, then it gives the excuse for future games. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely. To, we have to be present. What is um question? Sorry, Matt. Is um what's the link? How did how did you come about supporting Southampton based in based in the states? So, so really for me there wasn't a link initially. And as I started watching the Premier League, I had my my best friend was making me watch with him, and so he's an Arsenal fan. Um, I watched 
you know, for a season or two, just the Premier League in general and kind of gravitated, gravitated towards Saints. Um, I work at a high school and we are also the Saints. We're also red and white. So that works. Nice. Um, and then in addition to that, the uh, the academy system really drew me in. The, the baseball team that I like, now known as, as the biggest cheaters in, in America, uh, the Houston Astros, their, their farm system, uh, which is the equivalent of the kind of the academy system, uh, really, really is great. Their analytics department's really great. Um, and so that kind of link to Saints kind of drew me in as well. So it all kind of fell into place. Um, and I also cut out half the teams in the league just because I don't like the color blue very much. So that just all, you know, I started with all the red teams and luckily I didn't go with Sunderland. So, um, you know. And then also you can see behind me, people won't see it on the podcast, but the weather here in California, uh, yeah, I, when looking up weather in, in England, Southampton has uh, some of the most, uh, the, the highest amount of sunny days of everyone, okay. I think. So that, that worked too. So I, you know. <laughs> nice. Lovely stuff. <laughs> All, lots of things adding up to, to uh, a Saints supporter then. Um, on the game, let's discuss Bournemouth. It really did look like a match between Premier League and Championship opposition to me. 3-0 win also having two goals overturned by VAR. Jack, I'll bring you just on the performance. What impressed you most? Lots of things. I'd start off by saying that Bournemouth were very poor. And I think that is partly because they didn't have the players on the pitch. They've, I had a look at their injuries. Southampton have been decimated by injuries recently, but they are missing Brooks, Lerma, Lewis Cook, Adam Smith, Stanislas. So key, key players that we kind of probably got them at a good time. Um, I was watching their result. Um, midweek, I think they beat Swansea 3-0 and Stanislas got injured from that. So I think it was a great time to play them. Um, I think for, from our perspective, we, we were just positive on the ball and everything was, you know, on the front foot and clinical. Nathan Redmond, we'll, talk, we'll go on to talk about him, but that was a performance that we haven't seen in a little while, wasn't it? Um, I thought Diallo and Warprowse in midfield was were really good. Jack Wilshere started the game strongly. I think he was he was quite good on the ball, but I think Warprowse and Diallo did a job on him a little bit in there. Um, and you just mentioned it, the VAR calls. I think that over previous weeks and months, we've really dropped our heads after we've after we've you know been on the wrong end of those VAR calls and we've conceded two or three after that, but. To, to pick ourselves up after getting those goals chalked off and to go on and get create more chances and ultimately score the goals was, I think, a massive positive that we can hopefully build on the rest of the season. No, absolutely. Um, so on Bournemouth, obviously, they had Jonathan Woodgate in the dugout. Um, they let Eddie Howe go at the end of last season when they got relegated and they sacked Jason Tindall. I think they're seventh in the championship, so kind of on the fringes of the playoffs. I did expect a little bit more from them. I think you make a good point about their injuries. They had a fantastic result against Swansea. On our side, we made changes. Ralph made changes, bringing in Redmond for Teller and bringing in Gineppo for the cup-tied uh, Minamino. Matt, when, when that team sheet first came out and you saw Redmond in the lineup, Gineppo in the lineup, what was your immediate, immediate thoughts on the team that Ralph had selected? I thought it was as strong as we could have hoped for, I think, um, from Ralph. And and that's kind of what I expected given how we've, uh, given the changes or the selections we've made in previous rounds, there's no reason to to back off now. And I mean, we, we don't really have any momentum to speak of. So to try to build some here, I think is good. Um, the, you know, I, I've been really happy with Tella over the last few weeks, especially when he's come on. Um, he's, he's done those things. He's run at defenses. He's caused problems, which is, are all things we want. But then last week, um, he kind of 
almost did a Josh Sims where he looks good coming off the bench, but then kind of faded away a little bit when he, when he got a chance to start and impress. Mm -hmm. And so Redmond, Redmond coming in, um, I, I thought was fine. And then, you know, the performance he had, I don't think we can complain about that at all. No, absolutely not. I mean, I'd be the first to admit surprised. I think most Saints fans <laughs> yep. are surprised yep. to see that. Um, Ralph has made a little bit of a habit of playing him up front, which we haven't really seen before from, from Redmond. Um, and I'm interested just on your thoughts, Matt, on him playing up front, because alongside Adams, you could see what Ralph is trying to do there. I think a little bit like looking back to the Chelsea game, Redmond was dropping deep from that forward position and played that pass through to Minamino for that goal um, in the one all draw. And then again today, the opening goal was Redmond playing up front, but dropping deep, picking the ball up in the kind of half space, turning, and then what a pass for Gineppo. Yeah, absolutely. And and he, him playing that role alongside Adams, it almost, it, you know, it's definitely different from what Ings does in terms of, if Ings drops deep, it's generally because he's pressing, tracking back, trying to win the ball back. Um, but Redmond dropping deep, and I think the problem was they allowed him to turn too much. And then he he did what we always want him to do, which is run and, and, and force the defenders to, to, to make a decision. And, and today he just made all the right decisions so many times. And, uh, you know, aside from getting that last shot, just to curl a little bit more would have had a hat trick, but that, that ball that he played for Janepo, I thought was fantastic. It, he, he seemed to, to hold the ball just long enough and then release it. And, um, you know, everybody was slipping on the pitch as well, which I think kind of helped that goal because the defender just kind of took himself out. But, um, no, I thought he, he's been great up top today or, or Saturday. Um, I, I do worry about him playing up there long-term. I wonder if he can, you know, it, it, I know he scored two goals on Saturday, but the, I'm not sure that Adams and, and Redmond score enough goals for us to be successful in the long run, I think. I feel, I feel like, like, yeah, go on, Jack. I was going to say, I feel like Redmond is the type of player that if he were to drop down into the championship would probably tear it up. <laughs> I think like we saw against Bournemouth today, it was, I'm not saying it's at his level, but I think, I think, you know, he'd be a very, very, very good championship player. And I feel like he does struggle a little bit against the top defenders in the Premier League. Um, I think it was interesting in, in his post-match, he did say this season I've not ran at people as much. I'm trying to figure out why. So I think it's, he's obviously, you know, he's aware of what what's going wrong for him this season. And Saints fans, it's infuriating to watch him sometimes because you know he's got the ability, but he just turns around and passes it back to Ryan Birch and you think at least try something against the fullback. So hopefully this gives him a little bit of confidence because he's been moved around a little bit up front, wide, and I think he just needs to nail down a position really. Yeah, I mean, it's... Two goals in one game for Edmund. It, it took him 34 games to score two goals before <laughs> that. So not going to get too carried away by one fantastic performance, but it has sent us to an FA Cup semi-final. So got to give him credit there. On Gineppo, I did just want to mention him as well because he was another one that kind of looking back to the Chelsea game, he impressed in that game that we do have competition in the number 10 role. And obviously we've got Stuart Armstrong there, who I think we'll discuss a little bit more um, in a few minutes, but he's kind of locked up one of the positions in number 10. He's just, again, absolutely outstanding today. But then we've got that other role and you've got the likes of Teller, Redmond, uh, um, sorry, Minamino and Gineppo. Gineppo looked bright against Chelsea, but then kind of struggles, I think, to stay fit a little bit, but took his goal brilliantly today, Matt. What did you make of his performance? I thought he did really well today. Again, uh, you always worry about him injury-wise uh, from challenges and things like that. But the the composure to to kind of just calmly 
slot that home instead of uh, go for the spectacular or or you know hit it hard right at the keeper. I thought that was that was really good and and I, I think him playing on the left ahead of Ryan Bertrand can is fine. I, I you know I always worry a little bit about um, defensively. He does track back, but he makes kind of rash challenges sometimes, and I worry about him giving away free kicks and and things like that. And and kind of my thoughts on him uh, this season have been he's just you kind of don't know what he's going to do, and it's almost as if that's great when you're running at somebody one-on-one, but if you have teammates who are trying to know, you know, which run to make or things like that, or where you're going to be, sometimes he's not in those positions, which I think can, can lead to a problem against, uh, you know, stronger opposition. If they, if he loses the ball in a certain situation or doesn't, isn't in the right place defensively, I do worry about that. But uh, on Saturday, I thought, uh, you know, another fantastic performance. And once again, you know, it was Bournemouth that they are seventh in the championship, but you know, we can only beat what's in front of us. And he, he performed admirably. I thought. On the subject of, of rash challenges, there are a few from Bournemouth. Just a couple. Uh, Jack Wilshere in the first half and Sam Surridge in the second half. I just wanted to mention that in relation as well to VAR because Gineppo obviously put us 1-0 up and we'd already had a goal disallowed at that point. Carl uh, Walker-Peters offside. Just before we get onto the challenges, that run from Walker-Peters is what we as Saints fans, I think, want to see more and more of because it really is consistently probably our best attacking outlet. And this time it wasn't Vestergaard making the pass, it was Bednarak. Um, but a really, really nicely worked goal, wasn't it? Own goal from Carter Vickers in the end, but great pass from Bednarak, Jack. And and a great run, first touch from Kyle Walker-Peters. Yeah, I was watching the game with my friend Ollie, who's, um, who's a Liverpool fan. He's been obviously watching a lot more of Southampton since since he's been living with me. But he, he picked up on just watching the game that, you know, we've obviously got good players scattered around the team, but our right-hand side, I think, is our strongest point. When you when you think if you've got a fit Carl Walker-Peters and a fit Stuart Armstrong, I do think that's in the top, you know, top tier of the Premier League in terms of those positions. And the left-hand side, as as Matt mentioned, you've got Ryan Bertrand and Gineppo who have their frailties, I think, a little bit. And I don't think they have the same connection. Like Matt said, not really sure what Gineppo is going to do. So Bertrand doesn't really know the run. But I think the way Stuart Armstrong comes inside and just allows Walker Peters to, you know, provide that whip from the right hand side is something that we've seen time and time again this season. And when we're good, that is the outlet and that is the ball that we need to exploit. And it was like you said, it was trademark Southampton. It's usually Vestergaard that that plays that switch, but it's good to see Bednarak has got that in his locker as well. Um but yeah, more of the same hopefully. On the tackles then, um Wilshire in the first half, Matt, what did you make of that one? I think it wasn't. It didn't seem to be even checked by VAR at the time. I think it was on Vestergaard. He, he didn't seem particularly pleased by it. No, and I think he had one on Ward Prowse as well that just didn't. Yes. You know, he. I, well, first of all, I didn't realize Jack Wilshere was only twenty nine. I feel like uh, he, <laughs> I, when they said that, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like uh, that's. But no, the challenges seemed out of place. He just seemed like. I mean, I, I didn't expect that from him, and I. I, I don't know. I, I I didn't like it at all, and and it seemed like you know, maybe they bought into their fans hype that this is a Derby of some sort. And they were like, let's, let's, let's really give it to them. And it's like, well, it only works if, if, you know, the game is flowing that way and, and, you know, right. both teams are into it and it just, it seemed out of place really. It did. And the Surridge one was just completely ridiculous. Uh, red card for you, Matt, or was a yellow sufficient? No, I, I thought, I mean, if, if that happens earlier in the game, it has to be a red, I think. And I, I couldn't really understand why there wasn't more outrage from, Saints players I would have 
I would have actually been happy with, with Stevens or somebody coming over to him and confronting him about it because there was just no reason for it. The game is the game seconds from being over. Uh, the ball is, has gone, you know, a few seconds before he even got there and he just made no attempt to play the ball. And, you know, people were, uh, you know, calling for something about it when uh, I think Harry Kane had a challenge like that last week, uh, very similar and probably not quite as violent, but I was, I mean, that, that it, it upset me. I usually don't try to tweet abusive players, but I definitely went after him uh, after that. And I'm not going to apologize for it because there, there was no need for him to do that. It was on, on Salas. It was a cowardly tackle really, wasn't it? As you said, like seconds to go kind of reminded me a little bit of the Sheffield United game I think it was John Fleck that steamed into Che Adams I think it was and then that caused a little bit of a melee and obviously both teams got fined subsequently um Jack just just quickly your thoughts on Bournemouth's roughhousing tactics um I would say the Wilshire one was a yellow. I think he was very lucky that he didn't make a bit more contact with Vestergaard and the way Vestergaard looked at him I agree with Matt it was kind of like this are you trying to make this a feisty game like it was just not like that at all and he's trying to he's trying to really clatter him but I think he was lucky that he didn't make contact with his leg the Surridge one I think is a red card I think the, the more you look at that it's just completely reckless it's just there's there's no way that you can say that he was trying to do anything else apart from hurt Salisu and I again I agree I think against Sheffield United we showed a little bit of fight and passion and the fans really bought into that when Che Adams got clattered and I was kind of hoping to see the same a little bit when Surridge did that to Salisu who's obviously um, you know, in this early part of his Hampton career, he's very young. So I think we needed to show a little bit of support around him there. And it was kind of just like a get up, mate, and get on with it a little mm. bit from Jack Stevens, I think. But um, I'd say, yeah, Wilshire, yellow, Surridge, red for me. Let's discuss, let's give a little bit more um, credit to Nathan Redmond then, because that goal before half time was very, very nice. Um, kind of reminded me of. Some of his other goals that he scored, he hasn't scored loads, but some of his other ones, the Pompey one and the Norwich one last season, um, where he had kind of his face with a defender, beats him one-on-one and then sticks it away really, really nicely. Um, I think, Matt, that is why we're so frustrated, isn't it, with Nathan Redmond? Because he has that technical ability on the ball and we just don't see it on that consistent basis. Yeah, and in... You know, he had space to run into and he chose to do it. And then he also chose, I mean, he, he, the finish was fantastic as well, but the, just the, the, I guess the determination and the decision-making early on, just, I'm going to beat you. Uh, you, you're not going to be able to stay with me. And then, and then going and doing it. Um, I, I think that's what we miss from him so much. And, and he, I, I didn't listen to the, the post-match, uh, press conference, but, um, you yeah, said he, he, uh, you mentioned I, I haven't ran at people as much this year and, and that I just think we just need to see that more from him and hopefully this gives him the confidence to do it and um, you know he has been the subject of, uh, of criticism from fans when he did try to run at people and lose the ball um, maybe he holds on to it a bit too long sometimes but um, I think you know I would rather see him run at people in and maybe lose the ball in, in, in the attacking third rather than turn and pass it back every single time um, because that 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 we start to go back towards the beginning of the of, of my podcast when it was uh, you know Puel and then Pellegrino and us keeping lots of possession but not really creating any chances and, and Nathan Redmond's not on the field to to keep possession he's on the field to 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 create chances and um, when he does that it, it can be really exciting which we saw today yeah and he, his second goal our third he took that really nicely as well coming back off the post and not an easy finish. Um, and he found the corner. What I will say about Redmond, and I've said it before when discussing him, a couple of my friends many, many years ago um, 
watched watched a Saints game and Redmond looked really good. And they were like, wow, you've got a player on your hands there. And my response at the time, and it's still the case, is Redmond is like a match of the day player. It's like, if you watch match of the day every now and then and you see the highlights and you see him score a great goal, you think, oh, Redmond, he must be on the fringes of the England squad or he must be, <laughs> he, he's like talented. He scores great goals. But you watch him week in, week out and he couldn't be further from that. And I think that's the challenge for him. That's his... I've been critical of him on this podcast and on Twitter, but this is the first step in him kind of shutting me up, I think, and shutting a lot of Saints fans up. And he's got to follow that up with performances because there have been examples of him scoring outstanding goals and outstanding performances in the past. It's just that we have to wait 20, 30 games between those um, (laughs) before he has his next one. So we have a little bit of an international break, which we'll come on to. Um, we have a two weeks off, well, one week off, and then we return against Burnley. It'll be interesting to see whether he keeps his place in the starting uh, lineup. Before we discuss the international break in the Premier League, I just wanted to have a word on two players, Stuart Armstrong and Che Adams, because Adams obviously had that goal disallowed. I think that would have been four and four for him if, he'd, if it had been um, allowed to stand. Great finish from him, Jack. Um, and obviously, coming just after his um, call up to the Scotland squad. If Redmond's a confidence player, Che Adams definitely looks like a confidence player, um, especially with that finish today. Yeah, the one that got disallowed was like classic Che Adams, wasn't it? It's one, it's ones where he's got a bit of time and he's running with the ball and he takes a heavy touch that you get a bit frustrated. But when the ball's around the edge of the box and he just has a split second to think about it and he can lace it, you think he's got a massive chance to score. Um, and that strike was what you know, what we've been used to over recent weeks. I thought he played very well and he was unlucky not to score. You could tell how much he wanted to get on the score sheet. Um, and for Stuart Armstrong, I think, you know, Nathan Redmond deservedly got man in the match, two goals and an assist, but I think he would be a close second. The way the way he runs with the ball, we seem to say it every single week, but he runs with the ball and he doesn't look like the quickest player, but no one can catch him. It's just, I don't know how he does it, whether it's like the way he puts the ball in front of him perfectly so he just doesn't have to take too many touches, but... I think it was summed up with the chance where maybe Redmond could have got his hat trick where he was driving with the ball and then kind of went a bit in front of him and he tackled it across to Redmond who nearly got in the far corner. But that just summed up his performance. I thought it was brilliant. Matt, you, I think in your latest newsletter, were discussing Che Adams and his call-up to the Scotland squad. Um, we've discussed on this podcast before about how much of a kind of streaky striker that he is, 16 games with no goal and then goes on a run. Um, what have you made of his performances in recent games and then again today? And then I know you you were very um, kind of full of praise for him for taking the Scotland call up. Do you expect that to play a part in kind of boosting his confidence as we now approach the final nine games of the Premier League season? Yeah, that's kind of what I was hoping for with with that. And, you know, he's, of course, he would have wanted to represent England at at some point. And I don't, I'm not going to lie, I don't understand all of the politics behind it. So I don't want to push anybody the wrong way. But um, the chance to represent a country and his grandparents, uh, he qualifies through his grandparents. But I think that that call up, that's one more reason for him to you know, just maybe the little extra push to stay in form or, or uh, have a bit more finishing practice or work on his first touch a little bit because he's going to want to, to be in those, in those matches. He's going to want to be on the plane just like Danny Ings uh, wants to be on, you know, getting the call for England when he's healthy. And I think that that little bit of extra motivation can only help. And hopefully um, going there, he's, he's probably going to get game time. He's probably going to get, um, it won't be a similar system to what Ralph plays, but he will play with a partner up top and hopefully he'll just, 
be able to, you know, to continue to work and progress. And I think over the long run up until now, his, his goal scoring record hasn't been great, but the last few games, he's definitely, as you said, it kind of, kind of looks like a confidence player. He's been um, consistently good and, and, and doing things off the ball. I think that, that we always can praise him for, and he's just been a lot better in front of goal uh, recently. And uh, that strike that he had today, that it was fantastic. It just is a shame that it, it doesn't, doesn't count. Um, but um, I think he can, he can be proud of his performance today. And I think we can too. And I just hope with everybody traveling, you know, uh, coronavirus and, and injuries, I, that that's really what I worry about, especially given the season we've had. And uh, you know, I think, Armstrong came back from, from Scotland duty early injured. Then he came back, I think with coronavirus. So it's like, you know, if, if they could do a little better, keeping them healthy, I'd be happier. But uh, other than that, I'm, 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 ha- I'm happy for him. You know, I echo those thoughts. 100% on Stuart Armstrong. It's like baffling to me that he doesn't really seem to be the main man for Scotland yeah. for whatever reason, um, which I'm as a Saints fan, I'm not going to complain about too much as an individual. I'm sure he's scratching his head a little bit um, because he's, he's one of our best players. Um, in the Premier League, but yet doesn't really seem to be making that same, given the opportunity to make that same kind of impact for Scotland. Could be, Jack, could be you just... positionally, maybe Scotland, they don't have that. Yeah. I feel like Southampton have kind of made that position for him in that right attacking midfield slot that suits him so well. I'm not really sure how Scotland's set up, but maybe it is a little bit of a formation thing. I think on Shea Adams, it's an absolute no-brainer to take that to that, take that call up. And he obviously has tried to represent England, but there's a lot of really good English strikers. And I think mm. he's made the decision age 24 to think, can I play international football? And when you look at Scotland strikers, I think he's going to be against players like McBurney, Burke, Griffiths. It's pretty, pretty good opportunity. We've just, seen, we've just played against McBurney and we saw what, what he's capable of. So yeah. there's not, not a huge amount of competition. Not, I was going to say, Jack, we've not seen much of Scotland play. It's been depressing enough watching Southampton play this year, <laughs> let alone adding Scotland games to the mix as well. Um, f- let's finish up then. Uh, I just wanted to mention our FA Cup run. Um, so that's Shrewsbury, Arsenal, Wolves, and now Bournemouth, four consecutive clean sheets for Fraser Forster. Not a ton to do today, Matt, but when called upon, looked pretty solid. A, couple, a big save late on to preserve the clean sheet. Where do you stand on the Forster-McCarthy debate? I struggle to assess goalkeepers, um, you know, just because I am, I think maybe from the baseball background, a little bit reliant on, on stats and things and goalkeeper stats are always uh, tough to, to look at. But um, if you look at, at, at what Fraser Forster has done in terms of the clean sheet record, in terms of, you know, kind of just being, it looks like the back line slightly more confident with him there right now, which, so for that, um, I, I think he has to stay in and, you know, McCarthy, was given a number of chances to, to show that he you know, should stay in and, and he just r- didn't really do it. And, and not all the goals are his fault. You know, a lot of the chances that other teams were creating were really good, but at the end of the day, you're the last line of defense. Um, and you get, you got to make, you got to come up with some big saves, but uh, Forster also had a, you know, Benarak uh, defended well uh, at one point, he showed somebody down the line and they decided to shoot Bournemouth decided to shoot and Forster was, was up, up for it, but then getting down, for that shot late on, I thought was, was good because that's one of the criticisms of Forrester is he seems to be like a tree that's just slowly <laughs> falling towards the ground, you know? Um, but he got down quickly, got his arm to it and, and palmed it away. And I thought that's, you know, I think that, that will, will boost the defense. Um, and granted that was after uh, both center backs have been subbed, subbed off, but um, I thought it was good from him. And I, I think he, sh- he probably stays without, without much question at this point. Yeah. 
You agree on that, Jack, for you? I mean, the the criticism did come up again after the Brighton game, the Lewis Dunk header where Forster did seem to take <laughs> kind of three seconds for him to fall down. Um, but you could, you can't argue now. Four consecutive clean sheets. He'll obviously keep his place in the cup. Um, with those semi-final games taking place on the weekend of the 17th, 18th of April. Um, but before then, obviously, we've got Premier League action, Burnley at home after the international break, and then West Brom away. Forster keeps his place for you? For me, yeah, I think both keepers have been making slight mistakes. So you've got to look at the one that's maybe a bit more confident. And I see, I feel like the defence is more confident with Fraser Forster in goal. You can you can hear with the empty stadiums, he is very, very vo- vocal, organised in defence. So for me, he stays. Those those games then after the international break, absolutely massive. Um, what are we on now? 33 points. We by the time this podcast goes out, we'll know who we will be playing in those in that FA Cup semi-final. But attention now turning to the Premier League. Matt, just interested to get your thoughts on it while you're on the podcast. 33 points. Big that Fulham lost to Leeds on Friday night. That helps us maintain that seven-point cushion. We've got these winnable games coming up. Burnley won't be easy. They're they're doing okay recently. But then West Brom, obviously down in the in the mud at the bottom, and Crystal Palace will be beatable or at least be winnable as far as Ralph's concerned. How worried are you on a scale of one to ten about that dreaded R word this season? I mean, if you ask me in December, not at all. Yep. If you ask me end of February, probably probably a, a six and then as we crep into March you know I probably got a little worse um, I, I'd say for for a while it was about a seven out of ten and I don't want to say that but it was just kind of you, you could feel the the confidence kind of going from the team and, and the chances were going and the injuries were mounting and then you know it, it just kind of all creeps up and adds up to, to go like oh no we're really in this but um, I think you know granted Bournemouth are in the championship and, and we won't be facing that level of competition going forward but if we if we continue to make the decisions, the players continue to make the decisions as they did uh, on Saturday, I think that'll be. Uh, I, I think we'll we'll be fine. And you know, I think I don't think anybody's necessarily too good to go down. But um, Fulham losing to Leeds does really help. And and I think hopefully we take some confidence from this, even though there is a break to kind of uh, to going forward. But I, I'm at this point right now, based on today, maybe it's just you know recency bias or whatever. But I think I think we'll be all right. I think that's um, a good point about the fact that as, as far as the international break goes, we we have looked like we maybe needed a few days on the training ground just to kind of get back to basics a little bit. Definitely the defending against Brighton was seriously suspect. Um, so to get a clean sheet today is huge. Jack, I'll give you the same question just to wrap up. Do you think we'll be able to take much from this game against Bournemouth? as limited opposition as they are into that first game back against Burnley? I think when you said um, attention now turns to the Premier League, not for me, I'll be thinking about the uh, FA Cup semi-final, <laughs> I think right up until that Burnley game. I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking about the Premier League for, for a while. I'll just be watching the FA Cup games this weekend and waiting for the draw. But um, yeah, I mean, if we have to talk about the Premier League, I think you'd hope that you, the players get confidence from this you'd hope that they can build on this like Matt said it's we're not going to play against this standard of opposition but we're scoring goals and we're not conceding and you know with with players fit if you if we're keeping all of our key players fit and fingers crossed they come back from the international break fit and healthy then I'm 
you know, not too worried about relegation. I think we can get the points on the board. And it, like you said, it was a great result for us for Leeds beating Fulham on Friday night. I just think we just have to be confident in our own, um, you know, players. And I don't think we should look down too much. I think we can play Burnley, Palace, and we've, we're a better team than them on the day. So I think build on, build on what we did today and uh, we'll be fine. Well, gents, thank you both very much for joining me. Matt, special thanks to you. Thank you for taking the time out on this Saturday to join us. Um, and yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, um, thank you so much for having me on. I just wanted to say, um, you know, the the newsletter you guys are doing, going back to the question you asked me earlier about any advice, um, it seems like you you both really enjoy this and that comes across in the show. And I think if you can continue to find ways and find things you enjoy, even when results aren't going you know, for mm-hmm. you, uh, it shows up in the newsletter and it shows up in, in the show. And that makes it, I think, a little easier to, to listen to, even when things are going bad. Because I know, you know, you look at numbers initially when we go through a big dip in form right away, everybody wants to hear all the anger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if we lose, you know, by a, a, a fantastic margin or whatever it is. And then after that, it starts to kind of level off, especially if it's week after week, just kind of complaining and you guys don't do that. So hopefully um, people pick up on that and that kind of goes. And I just want to say, you know, you guys are doing great. 59, um, putting on an episode every week and, or every match is, is, a, is an accomplishment. And, you know, don't worry too much about it. Things being perfect. Um, you know, it, it's just got to be good enough and people will understand and listen and they'll enjoy it. And I think I enjoy it. Um, and, and it sounds like you guys enjoy it. So I think that's all that really matters at this point. Appreciate it. Thanks yeah, no, we do. I, I think um, as Saints fans, we can't come to the podcast every week being angry because <laughs> that's, I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think I'd enjoy it for many weeks. So we'd like to have a little bit of fun with it for sure. But no, massively appreciate those words. Um, one of the most established podcasts delivery. So um, it means a lot to hear that coming from you and wish you all the all the best for the rest of the season and hopefully get you on in the off season potentially um, to discuss next season. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always here. We got to get it in before the crows come out, but uh, other than that, it would be okay. So thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate the invite and uh, also moving it forward to accommodate my schedule. So no problem. Uh, Thanks everybody for listening uh, and have a great week. Yeah.